So at Eagles Landing, our mission is really simple. We say it like this, that we're a gospel-centered church that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. We display the gospel intentionally. Everything we do is gonna be centered on the person of Jesus Christ. So this is simple. Jesus must be the most important person in our lives. The gospel message must be the supreme message of our lives. It must be top priority. Listen, church, we have to, get, if we don't get anything else right, we have to get this right. We connect with people through relationships. Connecting with people through relationships means being aware of divine appointments. We are not here as a church only to enjoy the gospel ourselves, are we? We are here to give the gospel away to those outside the community of God. We grow together as a family. Our priority in our life groups, hear me well, is not about socialization. Our priority is about sanctification. Our goal is for men and women, boys and girls, to look more like Jesus because they're doing life together. One of the beauties about the gospel is when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus, you become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That means you represent Him. In everything we do, in all that we are, we want to be a church that lives and breathes to make Jesus known. This is not about building Eagles Landing Kingdom. That's not what this is about. This isn't about building Trey or our staff's kingdom. This is about building the kingdom of God. You realize if you walk through the book of Acts, there's 40 miracles that occur in the book of Acts. 39 of them occur outside the walls of the church in the marketplace. The way that the gospel advances is not by bringing people here where they hear Jesus, it's you taking Jesus to them and demonstrating and sharing with them in both word and deed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if we're setting things up or if we're tearing things down. It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're in the parking lot or if we're serving in the kids' ministry. It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're serving at all or just in a tender. It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter what songs we select, what sermons we preach. We need a constant reminder that everything we do is all about Jesus. morning church let me just say first off that was a fantastic video because it reminds us of what we're made for we're made to let our light shine and I, I mean I pray 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 that God will continue to use the the lives that make up the body of Christ here at Eagles Landing to impact the world with the gospel in greater and stronger ways in the days ahead um, so listen uh, I, I was watching the video saying, he just preached my sermon for me. I mean, he really just preached my sermon for me, so we can just go eat. All in favor? Yeah, that's what I thought. Too bad. I prepared, and I'm ready, 
So we're going to hear it. All right, it's going to be quick, but I do want to say a couple things. One, uh, Christy and I, I don't know where Christy is, but we're so thankful to be here. It's an honor for us to be here, be back. I'm so thankful that Trey called me and said, hey, I'd love for you to come back. We're going to celebrate the anniversary of the church. And, uh, you know, I bumped into Hannah Bay at a Crowns concert the other night, and she said, Pastor Tim, it's not 32 years, is it? It's really 33 because it was 1989. You kept saying 1989. 1989 is when we started as a mission a mile down the street, but in 1990 is when we officially constituted as a church. So it is 32 years as an anniversary as a church. And I am so grateful that I'm still around to celebrate it. Man. Now... One of the things that I hear all the time, I, I actually hear two things. He says, I know you. Like, yeah. They say, you're not Steve Jobs, are you? I'm like, oh, I'm, he's dead. That is not a compliment. Okay, he's dead. Second thing they say is, oh, yeah, you retired from Eagle's Landing. That's not a compliment either. Okay? I didn't retire. Um, and as you can see, if you, if you follow it all on Facebook, God has been uh, doing some great work across the country. And I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what, two things. One of the greatest joys of serving in the role that I'm in, and now I'm leading evangelism for the North American Mission Board. So what we did here, day in and day out, week in and week out, I get to do with churches around the country, which is phenomenal. It's been great to see how God is at work in the church in some very difficult places. You know, it seems like in the news, we always hear about all the bad things that are going on and how people are losing their hope and their mission. And what I've been able to see by traveling a lot this year is seeing how God is at work in the lives of ordinary people to hold out the gospel of hope and churches are being planted everywhere and lives are being changed. In fact, this is, this, since 2010, as Southern Baptists, we've been planting so many churches. If we continue at this rate, by 2030... A third of all Southern Baptist churches will be implanted in the last 20 years. Isn't that incredible? So I praise God for that. But I'll tell you the part we miss. The part we miss is our family because you guys are family. And so we were, we were here and uh, got to be a part of that every week, and we miss the fellowship and, and all that. And so it is so good to be back. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day, and, uh, and I'm so grateful uh, to be able to share a little bit of God's Word with you today. And I'll just tell you something, because this is a day you reminisce a little bit and you reflect on the past. But I want to remind you of something I, I, I hope I said enough for, us, for it to stick. The past is a great place to learn, but it is a terrible place to live. Okay? God didn't make us for the past. God made us for the day. And every day He gives us as a gift of His grace... And we need to live it out with every ounce of energy and passion we have for the glory of his name. And, and I pray we'll do that. Well, if you get your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. I mean chapter 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. And I'll, I'll just talk for a few minutes about the mission of the church. This is, this is how this sermon came about, and then I'll pray for us and we'll dive into the text. Trey called me a couple of months ago and was telling me about this event. We were talking, we talked about a few things, talked about family, how we're doing. And then he got down for the real reason why he called. He said, listen, I'd love for you to come back and speak on this anniversary date. And I want to ask you a question. What was Eagles Landing known for since its beginning? What, what, are the, what one thing characterized, and that is kind of provided the backdrop for the focus of the message. And so I'm thankful to be able to tell you. And Trey, thank you for, uh, for inviting me to join you, be a part of this day. I look forward to our trip 
uh, tomorrow uh, to Puerto Rico as well. By the way, let me just tell you, who would have ever dreamed 2013, uh, Bruce, when um, it may have been Bruce and I, it might have been the first two that went. And we uh, put our feet on the ground in Puerto Rico for the first time and walked around and helped a young man plant a church. That church ultimately failed, struggles in their own life that caused that. And we started back at ground zero. That today, um, not only would there be 23 churches that have been planted since 2013 that are thriving in Puerto Rico, but we're there to dedicate a ministry center that um, does sin relief, so all of the disaster relief. I mean, we've had a lot of trouble down in Puerto Rico with hurricanes and earthquakes and everything else. This last episode they just had, the churches that have been planted there are so strong and working so well together that there was no need for any of us to go to Puerto Rico to help. They rallied together and did it all themselves. And that's, that's something to praise the Lord about. But now also there's an orphanage, and uh, so we're adopting kids out, and it is absolutely phenomenal, so I'm, so I'm thankful for that. Well, I, I want to I talk to you about the mission of the church for a few minutes, and this is, a, this is a short message, but I pray that it'll be powerful as well. So let's, let's pray. God, have your way in our hearts today. Thank you for the privilege of being together. We thank you for the privilege of being a part of your church. It's not ours. It's yours. We're stewards of what you entrust to us. God, use us in our daily lives to live a life on mission for you so that you might be glorified in us. I pray for Pastor Trey, the staff, the leadership, and the membership of this church family. Use them every day. Fill their hearts with your love and grace. You, may your Holy Spirit anoint them for the task at hand. And may through the ministries that you've entrusted to them, may the light of the gospel burn bright in this part of the world and then around the world. For the, and may the name of Jesus be praised. Now as we study your word, teach us, meet with us, change us, make us to be like Jesus. And we'll give you praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was thinking about the answer to that question, um, a lot of things went through my head. What has marked Eagles Landing First Baptist Church from the very first day until now? I thought about the belief in the Bible. We believe the Bible is the inspired and errant, infallible Word of God. That's why I say when you when we read this, when you read this book, you what? Hear His voice. This is God speaking to us. It's powerful. I, I thought about four words that we used a season of time in the life of our church. Love live, give, go. Love God, love others. I mean, we're, we're so moved by the love of God, the love that God has for us, that we share that love with others. We love Him back by loving others. And then we talk about live, living in community with other believers. It's the Hebrews 10, 25 idea. Listen, we don't neglect meeting together. We want to get together to encourage one another in the faith. I mean, that's a hallmark of ours. And then... Um, Give, realizing that we don't own a thing. We, we always talk about people taking ownership. It's a bad thing of a believer because when we take ownership, it's like us driving the car and God's in the passenger seat. That's a bad move. We're stewards, so we give. We give out of our time, talents, and treasure. The, all that God's entrusted us, we use that for the glory of his great name. But I'll tell you what, really, this is where it stops. What we're known for, what we're committed to, what we need to be passionate about is the last thing. Go. Go. I mean, right out of the Great Commission, the resurrected Christ 
meets with his disciples. What did he tell them? You think, okay, this is going to be a pretty dramatic, powerful meeting. He rose from the dead. Now he's meeting with his disciples. He's got a message to share. We need to listen. And he starts off by saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I mean, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? All authority. And then he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, that's a promise we need to remember as well. In the midst of this journey that we have with so many twists and turns and all kinds of changes, there is a God in heaven who does not change. And he does not leave us. Our hearts are not hotels. God doesn't check in and check out. From the time you know Jesus, he checks in to forever live with you. And he says, I am with you to the end of the age. Man, that it, I praise God for that. I mean, that's who we are and what we're committed to. And then you just run a little bit further. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Again, he tells the same message. You'll get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses right here and around the world. Um, so the passage I want us to take a few minutes to look at today is on that theme. And it's in Matthew chapter 5. It's a Sermon on the Mount. It's really interesting. In fact, we're going to kind of take a running start. Think about the first 10 verses. We call them the Beatitudes. Characteristics of a person who belongs to the kingdom of God, a follower of Jesus. These are the characteristics. And so he blessed, 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 blessed. He rides right out of that. And he, he gives a warning about persecution. He said persecution is going to come. Troubled times are going to happen. When you're a follower of Christ, you're a member of the kingdom, you belong to my, my family. It's not all ease. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be hardships. Man, we just experienced that. I mean, COVID, whew, that was tough, wasn't it? I mean, I felt really sorry for Trey. Preaching his first sermon here was the first day we closed the church. He preached in this room to 27 people. I counted them. That's not fun, okay? But God's been good. He saw us through. Now when somebody says 2019 feels like it was about 10 years ago, doesn't it? Because of all the stuff we've been through the last few years. Life gets hard. The temptation, the temptation when life changes and things get a little tough, is to do what? Hide in our shell. Retreat to our fortress of safety. Build the walls. Guard the fort. And that is not the call of the follower of Jesus. It's not to guard the fort. It's to take the city. And so that's why Jesus moves right out of that into this passage. He said, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything because it be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people, I mean, this is just practical. I love this when Jesus gets this way. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand. So it gives light to all those that are in the house. And he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
So I'll take a minute and talk about those two images. Salt, light, salt, light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are salt. Now, why would he say that? We all know the expression. We talk about something. Man, they're just a salt of the earth kind of guy. What does that mean? That means they're a good person. They're in, as far as people go in this world, they're a good person. They add goodness to this world. But in Jesus' day, it was more valuable. That was more powerful than that. Because salt was a preservative. They didn't have refrigeration, did they? So it helped preserve food so that you could eat it for a longer period of time without it spoiling. You, you could pack food and travel with it. It was remarkable. Roman soldiers sometimes were, they were paid in salt. That's how we get the expression, that person's not worth their salt. Not a trick question. I wasn't going to say peppers, just salt. Just salt, okay? Not worth their salt. And so uh, the, the image was powerful. They got the point. And what Jesus was saying, in fact, there's a lot of things we could talk about that salt did in the ancient word. For example, when somebody does something, and then you say something, and somebody comes up to you and says, ooh, I don't know if I'd have said that. You say, why? They say, because that's like pouring salt in a wound. Exactly. Now, it stings a little bit, but, but salt also had healing properties. But in this passage, I think the most obvious meaning is the meaning. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But... If salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? Now, I, listen, some of you love salt. Some of you put salt on your food before you even taste it, okay? That's not good, okay? That's not good. But in this case, what Jesus was saying is salt adds flavor. It's good, isn't it? French fries without salt? Yeah, I'm with you. No, thank you. Popcorn with a little bit of salt? Really good, isn't it? The world without salt is lost. And Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. What he's telling us is, he's telling us what we're made for. We're made as believers, made new in the kingdom. Take this world, preserve the goodness, but more than that, to flavor it with the aroma of Christ. So that wherever we go, whatever we do, wherever we're in life, no matter what, if we're at school, we're at work, we're in our neighborhoods, we're, when people see us, meet us, know us, they should walk away and say, man, that person tastes a lot like God. They're incredible. You're just pointing people to Jesus. Second image he gives, you are the light of the world. I love this because he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I remember being in Israel, being in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night, reading with a flashlight some of the stories that happened on the Sea of Galilee. And I remember our, our little guy that was with us said, hey, see that city up there? Everyone thinks that city is the city that Jesus was talking about because you can see it for miles away. It's incredible. It was all lit up. He's saying, you're the light of the world. Now, it may be a little confusing. Because in John chapter 8, verse 12, what did Jesus say? He said, I am the light of the world. Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. 
can be a little confusing, okay? He's not saying we're Jesus, okay? But I want to read something to you. I think it just helps us clear this up a little bit. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, for at one time, listen to the words carefully. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He didn't say you were in darkness. He said you were darkness. You're lost without hope. Listen, this is one thing I've discovered, and the older I get, it just gets echoed over and over again to me. You can have everything this world has to offer, and you don't have Jesus. You got nothing. You got nothing. You can have nothing this world has to offer, and you got Jesus, and you got everything you need. What he's saying in this passage is, listen, Jesus is the light of the world. And when you become a a kingdom citizen, a member of the family of God, you are the light of the world. So let your light shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And the question we have to ask is, man, how am I living? Am 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 I living a life like Jesus or am I not? Think about the way he put this together. It's just interesting to me. He said, if salt has lost its taste, you know what? That's chemically impossible. You ever, you ever bought a thing of Morton salt? You got home, put it in your salt shaker, you start salt, and say, man, oh, we bought some bad salt. You ever bought any bad salt? Anybody ever bought any bad salt? I never bought any bad salt. Okay, it doesn't lose its saltiness, but you know what happens to it? You know what happened to it in those days? It, it would get so polluted with other ingredients that when people used it, they said, this salt is no good. It's no good. And think about light. You are the light of the world. He said, nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. A light that's covered, no light at all. You know, on a, on a, we live down in Jackson, and we live out in the country. And on a clear night, when the moon is full, and the sun is shining on the other side of the world, and it's hitting the moon, it lights up everything. It's incredible. But like last night, when the clouds rolled in, Look all you want. The moon is still reflecting the glory of the sun, but you can't see it because it's covered. What Jesus is saying is, listen, polluted salt and hidden light are both the same. They're powerless. You are. He's not giving us an ambition. He's telling us what we are. He's not telling us this is what you ought to aim to do. He's saying this is who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So be what you're made to be. I was in Chicago, and I'll wrap this up. I was in Chicago, and uh, we were on the west side of Chicago, and and uh, pulled up to one of the places we're planting a church, and. Um, met the pastor, has a unique story. 
when he was a teenager, he was actually driving a car. They were going to rob something. The guy that left the car to go rob something killed the man inside. Everybody was caught. He was convicted in prison. One of the prison guards had a heart for those in prison. He passed a Bible through the slot in his door. He picked it up off the floor, started reading it, and this young man came to know Jesus. And he started studying, started going to chapel, started talking to the chaplain. Then God called him to ministry. And he's gone to seminary. And then, lo and behold, he gets out. He said, I never dreamed I would ever be a free man. And now, he's pastoring a church. I was telling that story to Christy after I met him, and this is what she said. Well, he was made for more. You're made for more. No matter what your job is, no matter what you've accomplished in the past, and what credits to your name, what degrees you have, you're made for more. And what's the more? Be salt. Be light. <laughs> there is nothing better for me than thinking back over the people that came to know Jesus through the ministry of this church. Eternity's changed for them. Because we're not proclaiming Eagle's Landing. We're not even proclaiming our own name. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's writing to church at Corinth. A lot of tension there between the church and Paul. But he makes it really clear what we're about. He says this. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God saves. He still saves. It's a world a tough place. You better believe it. I've traveled all over North America in the past year. It's crazy out there. But Jesus is still king. His heart hasn't changed. His power hasn't weakened. His salvation is still a treasure. And though we're just jars of clay, and most of us are cracked all up, stuck back together with a little bit of bubble gum, at the end of the day, it's not about the jar. It's about the treasure. So I'm just going to tell you something. I don't care if you're 5 or 50 or 70 or 100. The older I get, I keep, I, I keep bumping that up. Okay? just want to tell you, what you're made for is Jesus. And what you are while you're here, salt and light. So go light your world. I was thinking about some of those people who came to know Christ. My brother-in-law was the first person we baptized here when we came. It was in the wintertime. The baptistry broke. The heater broke. Water was ice cold. He said, my mom came. I got to do it. Put him under. He'll never forget it. Okay? <laughs> Took his breath away. Okay? 
I can remember people that are sitting in this room and as children gave your life to Christ. And now God's using your life for the glory of his name. As adults. That's pretty cool. There's some people that came to Christ that I just can't ever get out of my head. And instead of me just telling you about them, I thought maybe let's just um, have a blast from the past. Watch a story. A man named Rick Dabney. He's gone to be with Jesus. But his story lives on. Take a look. We moved here, I think, in uh, 2011, 2010. At that time, I was uh, a drinker, heavy drinker. Loved the stuff. <laughs> I would go for a walk every morning, and Joe Martin would be walking around the same area I would walk around. And for months and months and months, he would come and bug me about coming to the church and everything, and I would put him off and put him off. And then one day I finally did. When my wife and I uh, first came to the church, and we saw how much everyone loved on each other. If we went back home, and I said, I have never seen anything like this. This is unbelievable. And my wife says, I feel the same way. And we started talking. I said, we, we got to go back the following Sunday and see if it's the same way. <laughs> and uh, we went back that uh, following Sunday, and uh, it was the same way. I mean, everybody was so loving to each other, and uh, it, it felt like it, you were at home. Every week we would come, every week, and it was like all these people, they would just come and hug us and, you know, greet us with warm wishes, everything. It was just so wonderful. So I, I just said, Rick, let's go to church. There's some days he felt he didn't feel like getting, you know, just getting up off that chair. But I said, come on. I said, let's go. Probably within a, a month. Lord took the alcohol away from me, and I got saved and baptized in uh, January 2015. I was diagnosed with cancer, cancer of the throat. I had an operation in September. They tried to remove it all and couldn't remove it all, so they treated me with uh, chemo and radiation in February of 2016. My throat was completely raw flesh. You could see the flesh in my throat. And one day I was coming home from the doctor and uh, I just threw up my hands and said, Lord, I, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. And within a week, my neck was totally healed. And I, uh, my wife and I just thought that was uh, just, just awesome. Knowing that we have an awesome God the way He is, I started having some uh, throat problems again in early uh, 2017. The first surgery was on my lungs, and uh, they removed the lymph nodes 
right after that surgery, uh, we went back to see uh, our doctor again. He said, well, he says, I'll tell you, you, you have uh, your cancer is terminal. We can control it and contain it, but we can't do anything else that's terminal. There was a couple of verses that kept me going, and this was uh, Luke 9.23. If anyone come after me, let's first deny themselves, pick up this cross daily, and follow me. And that stuck with me. And that was part of my life. That's, that was part of the life that I wanted. In fact, this entire journey has been unbelievable. And I just thank God for it and whatever I can do. It's my desire to uh, do uh, do as well. My name is Sue Dabney, and I'm going to let my light shine. My name is Rick Dabney, and I'm going to let my light shine. As we close this part of our day together, I believe there's some of you maybe that are here this morning who are perhaps coming to the realization that maybe the reason your life feels unfulfilled or lacks purpose or you just lack satisfaction is because maybe you don't have a relationship with the God that we're talking about today. And you've seen up to this point students who have made the decision that for the rest of their lives they're going to follow Jesus and they publicly declared that at the forefront of our service today and now you're hearing a story of a man who tried to find satisfaction in all the things of the world but at the end of the day nothing truly fulfilled until he met Jesus if you're a man if you're a woman a husband a wife maybe a child that's here this morning and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with Jesus there's no questions, no concerns, like you meet with him, you talk with him, you're faithful to him, you live for him, and you know that you have a relationship with Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me if, because you know him, you wanna let your light shine. Would you stand with me? Now, if you're here today and maybe you're not standing or maybe you stood because everyone around you stood and you really didn't understand the instructions happens your light can't shine unless you know him you won't have the saltiness to your life the flavor apart from a relationship with him so if you're here today, I'm not going to ask every head to be bowed. I'm not going to ask every eye to be closed. I'm just going to do one thing out of really an overflow of love for you. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. That's my story. I want to have a light that can shine. I want to be salt before a watching world. I want my life to make a difference. And today, I'm going to give my life faithfully and fully to the Lord Jesus. If that's a decision that you want to make, 
this is going to be really bold and really courageous, but I'm going to ask you to come stand with me up front. Anybody? Glory to God. stop they're still coming listen one I want to say thank you to you this is a very bold and courageous thing for you to stand in front of this many people and admit that you want to follow Christ. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The prayer, you come forward, it won't save you. What saves you is the posture of your heart. Crying out to God, saying, you know what? I absolutely understand my greatest need is you. And today I want to give you my life. I want to faithfully follow you. You can pray something like this with me. Dear God, I come to you today just like I am. A mess unraveled unfit for the kingdom of God. I know that I'm a sinner, but God, I know that you are a good, good savior. And today I wanna to give you my life. I wanna faithfully and I wanna follow you from this day forward. Jesus be my Lord. Jesus be my King. Jesus save me. And it's in your name I pray, amen.